Folks, we're back. Another episode of Landmine Radio. I'm very excited to be here at Matanuska Brewing Company. We're having a beer. Yes, we are. The proprietor, Matt Tomter. How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm just uh, sorry, taking a sip. I want to thank you for this. What, what am I drinking here? Some kind of ale? Uh, it's Am- the Irish Red Ale. It, it is. It Preparing is really for good. St. Patty's Day already. It's just a, you know, a little over a month away. You got to prime before you paint. That's right. I'm gonna have a sip of this. This is, this do. is really good. So, oh, beer has food value. But food has no beer value, so we're skipping lunch. We're just having a beer. We're just going straight to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's what time is it? It's about one thirty, two o'clock here. It's so perfect time. Perfect time for an afternoon beer on a on a Friday. Uh, so, I actually didn't really know. I don't really know you. I met you yesterday. I came here with a friend for lunch, and you were here, and you sat down with us, and we got to chatting. And uh, you're you're quite the fascinating individual. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but you know, <laughs> well, I've been in Alaska for a little while. Let's talk first. So I want to talk. You, you told me let's talk about some of your restaurants and your bar business, and, and then also I want to talk a little bit about your your previous life uh, as a pilot and living in Nome. So uh, first, we're here at Matanuska Brewing in, in Anchorage, in Midtown, and you've had this one for about a year, year and a half. Uh, coming up, yeah, just July will be two years. And you got the bar- restaurant here, and then you have the brewery. Right, we have a restaurant, we have two brew pubs now, one in Eagle River and the one here in Anchorage, and then we have the brewery in, in Palmer. And that's in the old Matanuska dairy plant. So how long have you been in the brew restaurant business? Well, I, I see my partner in the brewery is Kevin Burton. We have some other investors, but uh, my primary partner is Kevin, and uh, me and him have been working together since I first opened a restaurant in Nome so in been, 2005. You've been doing this for a while? A little bit. Did you go directly into the... The brewery business, or were you the first restaurant? And then- oh, restaurants first. Yeah, I was a I was a pilot out in Nome, and and uh, we just we had a little shack uh, next to the hangar that for the airline that I flew for out there, and uh, I just came up with the idea to turn it into a pizza shack, delivery shack, and and we called it Airport Pizza, and uh, that's how we got started. It was just uh, we flew pizzas uh, on our scheduled flights out to all the villages, and the airline did that for free. And it just blew up. We sold. I mean, Wait, so we they, just they, took off. They were already going to the villages, and they just took your pizza along. Right. We were right next to the hangar, so all people would do, we put a hotline in the in the. Did you give them like a tip, a little kickback, like a little? Oh wait, no! The all the all the uh, all the you know, the pilots and the, and the staff of the airline got a super big discount on pizza. Free pizza, so, yeah. Free pizza. I was going to say, yeah, free pizza. it was just a great deal, and it, it got us. I mean, it was Grant Thompson's idea, the guy that uh, was president of Cape Swyth Air Service. That's who I flew for then, and uh, that's how we got it started. And so we, we started sh- sending pizzas out to the villages. Wait a second. So literally, your, your delivery driver was the airplanes that were already going out yeah, there. Yeah, our slogan was, you buy, we fly. How did, how did you market it? You just went to the villages and said, hey, you want to order a pizza? Give us a call? Well, you know, when you're out in Nome, and you know, the village is a pretty small area. You stuck it on the radio. We put it on the in the lo- local Nome Nugget, which went to all those villages. Oh, my. How, yeah, how, it just did, took off. Yeah. It, it just, I imagine it just started booming, right? I mean, oh, yeah. We, I mean, the, we, the day we opened, we the first day we opened, we made 363 pizzas. And that, we'd never made no pizza sh- before. Yeah, so no we got shit. our, yeah, it was a tough day, but it was a good day. And, uh, we began the process of getting a piece of property and building a real restaurant almost almost right away. What did you have? did you have like just like a simple oven or what did you have a whole like uh... I had an old it was a it was a Montague pizza oven built in 1963 that I found in a uh, in an old building in in Nome and we restored it and that's how I that's you know I I found this pizza oven and that's how I got started. And that was 2005. 
That was 05, yep. Wow, so you've... Uh, you've we started on August, August 5th, 2005. You've come a long way here being in the brewing <laughs> company here in Anchorage from oh, the, the pizza. Oh, it's great. No, it's been a journey. In the hangar. Oh, the whole thing is just, you know, Alaska's a giant state, but it's super small, and, uh, you know, there's people all across the state that help make this happen, and and uh, it's been a, it's been fun. That's uh well. It's, what was your biggest order out there to the one of those villages? Oh, we had you know I think uh, Buckland. We 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 shipped a uh, hundred pizzas to Buckland, and we filled a Navajo with pizza. So hundred pizzas to, for a basketball tournament. That that was our biggest order. So did they? How long how long of a flight was that? Like pretty quick flight. Uh, and a Navajo from Nome to uh, Buckland's about it's about an hour. Did they get cold? Yeah, see what we do a lot of the time for like that that deal. Yeah, we those little uh, we'd, we'd, those bags. We'd, that... Well, we'd par bake. No, we'd par bake those. So you'd par bake them, and then they'd uh, and then they just reheat them up, kind of like Papa Murphy's, but three quarters of the way cooked. Okay, and then they heat yeah, them up yeah, in the yeah. villages, like at the school. They'd heat them up in the ovens there, and when they were ready to eat them. So that's how it worked. That's how we did a lot of it. That's a fascinating. Well, I didn't even. I didn't, <laughs> glad we did podcast. I didn't even hey, realize man, we're no man. We had to figure on. out different ways of doing business. So <laughs> when did you get into the actual the brewing side of the? You know, we started, Thanks. you know, my partner's Kevin Burton. Kevin was the uh, uh, head brewer at Glacier Brew House for uh, 22 years. and oh, so he's, got I, a little, I, he's got a little experience. Oh, no, he knows what he's doing. And, and so we had, we had I have to back it up for a second. When we built a, our, our first restaurant, our airport pizza, the building in Nome, uh, up in town, uh, we, were, we were one of the first people to take Glacier Beer and actually put it on tap somewhere else other than a brew house. That was right when they first began distributing out into out out into other restaurants and having their kegs of, and beers available in other places. So when we did that, uh, uh, we just had nothing but Glacier Brass beer, and that's how I got to know Kevin because I just like the beer there. The beer is fantastic, mm-hmm. and so that's what we served in Nome for seven years was primary Glacier Brass beer. So you so you have this now, and you you it's quite a well known Matanuska Brewing Company. But is it hard? I mean, there's you know there's like King Street, there's Moose's too. I mean, there's a, seems like there's a lot of Glacier Brew House. There's a lot of Sure, there's some is good it, friendly competition out there. Is, is it is it enough of a market? I mean, obviously, <laughs> beer you can you, once you get a customer, it's kind of they're hooked, right? You know right. what's great about uh, um, yeah, yeah. There's a tremendous market. I mean, we're uh, so I mean, I, I got to know Kevin, and then Kevin and I when I when I moved when I moved into town, I, I opened a restaurant in Eagle River, which was Kevin's idea. That's Eagle River Ale House. Eagle River Ale right. House. I like okay? that. I like that place. Yep, and then and then you know we've opened a few more: the Palmer Ale House, and then the uh, Anchorage Ale House. And then, and then we decided to open up a brewery, and we opened, you know, we built the brewery out in Palmer, sold the Palmer Ale House, and we rebranded these ones into Matanuska Brewing Company, and now we just sell our own beer. So you that, guys have quite that's a, where we are today, right? You guys have quite a selection back there. I'm looking right now. I'm seeing a lot of taps. God bless America. Love that. I love that too. I mean, you know, having having a, a good selection of beers is important, and you got everybody's got a different style that they like, and so you do your very best to. Are your beers anywhere outside of the state, or are they just in the state for now? Uh, right, we have a little bit of out, out of state uh, distribution, mostly in state, and some cans we ship out of state. Uh, this this, but, this amber, this amber, I, what is it? I, what, it's Irish red Irish, ale. This right. is this is, folks. I gotta say, if you're if you're into red ales, this is really good. I'm having a nice drink here right now at the uh, well, with Kevin, or with Matt, and it's great. You no, know, it's it's really cool about the Manchester Brewing Company is when we decided to open up the brewery. You know we're. We've, you know, I've known Kevin forever, and 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 Chris Anderson, the guy that owns Glacier Brew House, and uh, Chris Chris uh, uh, grew up in the same restaurant business I did when I moved first moved to Alaska. I worked at Simon and Seaforts, which is a, yeah, right. a company owned by Restaurants Unlimited or you RUI. You said that, yeah. Chris has been through there, so we all knew have known each other for a lot of years. So when we opened up the brewery out in Palmer, uh, you know, we we'd never had a uh, to open up a brewery the size we did. 
uh, it was helpful to come out with a brand that was already known. So if you drink Glacier Brewhouse beer in a can, we make that beer. So we make Glacier Brewhouse beer in a can and can it. And Kevin, you know, Kevin's the one who developed the recipes for Glacier Brewhouse in the first place. So he's still just making the beer that he invented years ago. And we work really closely with the guys at Glacier to come out with new beers that, that they invent now and like we put that in the can. Partnership Total partnership. A little, little, I mean, little, little co-mingling, if, if you will. Well, there's different rules. You know, they're a brew pub, so they can only distribute so much beer before they're capped by the state. And so they'd be unable to put a canning line in their location and brew beer to, it, to the level we can and put them in cans and distribute it. So it just worked out perfect for us. It was us. Basically, we were able to come out with a known brand that went right into stores immediately. We didn't have to build a name, and boy, we were off so, and running so, right on day one. So there's some, I assume there's some kind of con- contract. They give you the recipe, right? So you guys can't. Well, be- so, well, Kevin, you know, Kevin's Kevin developed the recipe. So we we worked really close. I mean, uh, Kevin's a genius when it comes to making beer. You know, he, I don't hope he doesn't hear this because he, he won't let me live it down. But <laughs> but you know, we take the water and we strip everything out of it, and then we put everything back into it when we make Glacier Brass beer to make it exactly the same as the beer as the water they're using to make the beer. Here in Anchorage, so wow. it makes the beer taste exactly the same, and 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 it's working really well. And Kevin's done a fantastic job, and and we work with Glacier every day to make sure that we are on par, and 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 eat, oh, both of us meet in the exact same spec, and so that's that's been a great way to start, and 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 it's allowed us the time to build up the Matanuska brand, which is built really fast and rapidly. Also, no, I, I hear about this. Uh, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. no, when did this brand start? Oh, our first our first brew of Matanuska was in uh, was Valentine's Day last year. Yeah, it seems because I hear no, it's it, gone I mean, really it's, quick. It's it's like kind of in the lexicon. People, t- you know, Matanuska Brewing. It's well, that's cool to hear. I I love hearing that. You know, we're doing our best to. Uh, we most breweries start off really small and grow. We built a very large brewery. We have a tremendous amount of capacity. Go. We put in a big, fast, high tech canning system in it right away. And so it's allowed us to go. I mean, we had distribution before we opened. We had distribution agreements already already written, and so we were able to open. And our beer went instantly into stores. Got it in uh, Canels. Our distributor did a great job. We got yep. it in Safeway and Fred Meyer and the, the big chains right they, away. They, they probably agreed because they, they said, "Oh, Kevin's involved." Well, well yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had. I mean, if it was me brewing it, they would have said, "Well, well let's wait a couple of years, who's right?" This, yeah, who's this fucking guy. Stop for what to do. <laughs> Gotta, it's like we're kind of big guys, so you got to go big or go home, right? You gotta That's go, right. Go for, the, go for the whole thing. Like I said, it's beer has food value, so, but food has no beer value. I just probably drink too much beer. So you mentioned earlier. <laughs> let's talk real quick about you were a, you were a pilot. You flew uh, out. The, you, oh, yeah. Not only did the pizza, you you actually flew. Oh, out there I the, I, uh, I moved to Alaska straight out of college. Uh, I moved to Alaska with a guy named Scott Day, and Scott's now the chief pilot for Alaska Airlines. And uh, Scott, giving you a little oh, love no out shit. there, buddy. Wow, look at and, that. Um, me and him moved up here, and I was a bartender at Simon's, and he worked on the ramp for Alaska Airlines, and, and I flight instructed at Wilbur's over at Merrill Field, and after a few years of that, I was able to get a job out in Kotzebue, and I, I moved to Kotzebue. I lived in Kotzebue and Barrow and Nome. And, Were you there and, when Dunleavy was there? Um, I was. Governor Dunleavy? Yeah, because he was, was there for 20 He was some... a teacher out there. Then. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, mean, I didn't go to school there, and I, I don't remember him. I think he might have been in, I think, was he in Shaktulik or... I think he was in Shunnak uh, or something out there. He was in Kotzebue, and I, I think his Shun- wife's from Norvik. But yeah, I think he she was his in wife is from Norvik. Some different places out there. Yep. Wow. Well, that's yeah. So, so I was there at the same time he was out there in the '90s and uh, early '90s, and I moved up to Barrow uh, shortly after that, and uh, lived in Barrow for six, seven years. You're Flew from- up there for Cape Smythe for a long time. You probably have some all kinds of crazy aviation ah, it's stories. It's insane. Yeah, the whole thing's just a miracle we're still alive. But it was a hell of a lot of fun, and we, uh, as a kid in your twenties. 
uh, having a job flying a twin otter around uh, North Slope of Alaska. It's like, uh, I mean, the closest thing is being on the moon, right? I mean, it's a long way from anything, right? That could be a whole other series of podcasts <laughs> with Matt. Oh, about it, it was incredible. I mean, most people were out drinking and partying when they're in their 20s. I was, I was flying packages on the North Slope and landing twin otters on skis on the ice pack. We All did right, some qu- really cool stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Quick one on this topic. What's the craziest story you ever had out there flying? Oh, I'm boy, sure I've got a ton of them. I mean, craziest story flying airplanes? Jeez. <laughs> Um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I, I was flying for the state of Alaska and I uh, was up with the mechanic and a, and a t- twin commander and uh, we caught on fire. We made the papers and the plane we caught on fire. Yeah, about 12,000 feet uh, over just north of Palmer. We caught on fire and uh, uh, the left engine was on fire. So we shut her down and uh, didn't go out. It kept burning and wing was on fire. And <clears throat> Ward Simonis was the guy on board with me. He's a, me- a longtime shit. Alaskan mechanic guy that's. Uh, uh, you tested? Were you doing it like a. Like a, it was a test flight after we put some new turbochargers. It was a state air, airplane. Those, turbo, those turbos <laughs> worked, didn't they? <laughs> oh, the turbos, yeah, they sure did. They got so hot it just lit the wing on fire, or the whole engine on fire. And so we, uh, yeah, we had to uh, we had to emergency descent from 12,000 feet straight down to the Matanuska River and and landed it on a gravel bar there and took a brand new airplane and when, turned when it into a were, piece of junk. When you were diving, was, <laughs> did the fire go out? No, it wouldn't go out. We had to put it out on the ground once we jumped out of the airplane put it out with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, so wow. I mean, it was, and there's, I can get way more explanative to it than that, but it was, it was a crazy ride. A twin commander, a, a Shrike commander, there was a barber pull on the speedometer that's 248 knots, and the fastest that that airplane will go with full power on the right engine and a left engine out and feathered is 248 knots straight down. So oh I just, I can tell anybody that ever wants to know that's how fast they go. That's the uh, do not exceed, <laughs> right? Um, all right, so let's talk a bit. So the, Yesterday we were chatting, and you mentioned something that kind of sparked my curiosity. Um, I've written a bit about the, um, so there's the AMCO, the Alaska Marijuana Control Office, and then there's the ABC board, and then there's the Marijuana Control Board. So there's two boards, and then the office handles everything. And they've, they've I've done some kind of peculiar things over the last year, and you had one that really sparked my attention. Let's talk a bit about that. You recently applied for a packaged liquor permit, right? Yeah, here, we, here we, we got uh, the one the one we're going to talk about is one in Eagle River. Okay, Eagle River. We put okay. a package store in the restaurant so we could have a growler bar, right? Uh, so we started uh, started that process in September, and uh, and the reason why is is it's the only the only place you can sell beer to go is either in a package store or at the location where you brew your beer. Okay, that's the law. And so no, no drive up, no drive up windows, huh? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> in New Mexico, Texas New Mex- has us on that one. Mexico, they used to have that, but they have it in Texas. Yeah, still. you could drive yeah. up and, and buy it at the at the window. So you know, uh, we can only dream. But uh, so so, anyways, the the idea is that that uh, uh, is that if we we would put a package store in each of the restaurants so we could have growlers to go because we're we're a brewery themed restaurant. I mean, I mean, people people love that. Well, absolutely, and we have. I mean, we, the only place you can get most of our beers is at our locations and. And, you know, why not be able to sell it by the package? So that was the goal. And so we started in September, and we worked through all the uh, the ABC board requirements where you have to, you know, advertise for three weeks. And then it goes to the city of Anchorage, and they have to advertise and change the land use permit and everything else that has to happen. And it's a three- to four-month process. Well, we got it all done. Uh, AMCO was notified that the city was uh, the That's assembly. marijuana control office. That's the right. The, the, office the actual administrative section. How much did it cost you all that? All the all the uh, fees and everything else. Um, 
Well, we'll see. <laughs> but it but, should but before cost. Before that part, we'll get to that part in a yeah, second. Yeah, uh, to that point. Uh, in fees, about uh, about six thousand dollars. Okay. That's between the city and and Amco. And then your time of doing all the meetings. Oh no, the time is just you can't even count the time. And then, of course, we probably put uh, we put about twenty eight thousand dollars into the building where we built the new package store and ran tap lines into that location so we could mm-hmm. have beer. So you know, we've got we got thirty thirty five thousand dollars out of pocket. We paid for all that ourselves, you know, uh, to be ready to go and and, and selling beer. Other than not even small bit, it's a big expense for a small business. Sure, it's not I like mean, hey, pocket, man, pocket hey, change. It's way funner making that kind of money rather than spending that kind of money, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> So, but yeah, we, we we set it all up. We're ready to go. We were issued our license on on the 26th of December, and when we were handed our license, uh, one of the interesting things we were told was, well, you know, it'd be best if you waited until after the first of the year because because um, I, I think I should back this up to explain it. Uh, one of the rules in owning a liquor license, uh, one of the statutes reads that you have to operate a license a minimum of 30 days a year. And the reason for that is so people don't just go get a license, stick it in their back pocket yeah. and own a license that can gain value to it because they're limited by population, right? So the idea is if you're going to have a license, you need to use it, and that's why the law is that way. That makes sense to me. I get it. Okay? So, so it prevents kind of monopolies or... Con- either monopolies or just... Control, re- yeah. it's, it, it, it prevents me from going and going... Going, hey, I want it for those licenses, and I just hang on to them. Right, yeah, somebody, yeah, right, so no intention to do it. Who has the money? Right, yeah, right. you got to operate. So, I, and I get that. That, that makes, makes sense, total yeah. sense, right? And so, uh, and so, I got my license on the twenty sixth of December, and they said you might want to wait till next year right because be- right before New Year's, right before New Year's. And I'm thinking, God, I've got thirty five thousand dollars in this thing. I want to open. I want to get this thing open before New Year's. Start selling beers. That was the whole plan. As soon as we could, I mean, we Except don't wait a day. You, just, you know. Well, you know, every day is another day to, to try to pay the bills. So, right. so our plan was to open immediately. So we took it, and we find out that uh, uh, that uh, because the way or the administration at the Amco office was now det- was now interpreting the rules that if you don't operate for thirty days, even when it's a new license just issued to e- you, even if you couldn't have possibly operated for couldn't 30 have possibly operated that I would be in violation of the thirty day rule. Fuck. So they so their answer, their their thing was you'll have to fill out a waiver fee. And I said, oh, okay, I'll fill out a waiver. That's no big deal. And then and then and then they go, well there's a seven hundred dollar fee to fill out the waiver form and turn it in. So the waiver costs seven hundred. Uh, yeah, but this and check this and then they go, and on top of that those waivers have to be turned in no later than November 30th of that year. Otherwise, they're late and there's a $1,000 fine. Even though you weren't <laughs> issued the fucking license until December 26th. Right. Wow. So it's a $1,700 fine for opening your business in the same year if you're at the, at the end of the year. That's how they're interpreting it. And it hasn't always been that way. I've learned a lot about this since this happened. So I, t- I opened up yeah, you, anyway. You, you wrote a letter that, that you shared with me. I did. That, I wrote that, a letter that, that explains to, all of this to, so. to the actual board that explains it all. I just asked that. Uh, I mean, to me, it's mind-boggling that that would be. You know, it's, first of all, Amco is under the Department of Commerce. They're part of the Department of Commerce, which you would think to me would at least be. Let's make the decisions we can that are to help businesses open and and let's and make flourish, common sense right? decisions right. to to you know allow businesses to to you know flourish like you said and and follow the law but like let's also be co- co- you know reasonable about how this that's it cause, I cause mean uh, making you pay a thousand bucks 
for seventeen hundred. Well, a thousand in addition to the seven fifty <laughs> for something you couldn't. It's more than the, it's more than the license is actually cost for a two year renewal. A two year renewal for the license is fifteen hundred dollars every two years, and it's actually the fine they want to impose on all this because of this is. An extra seventeen hundred. Well, we'll get into this in a second. This isn't the first time this office has gone rogue. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a history of in the last year of this. But so, well, so I think it's I think it's directly related to um, to current leadership in the office. It hasn't always been that way. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and no, Amco's in the past has been a place where you could go, and uh, you know the, the forms. There's you know it's a tremendous amount of paperwork to get a liquor license of any kind. Uh, put together. It always has been. A lot. I didn't know anything. I, I knew. I knew about the Alcohol Beverage Control Board. I knew a little bit about the Marijuana Control Board, the new one. Uh, I didn't know much about the office until uh, I think it was spring or summer. I got. I, I, I do my website, my, my political blog right. that I, yep. I run, and I told you about that. And that's how I got to chatting yesterday. And somebody sent me. Some, people send me tips all the time. I always get people sending me. Seventy percent of the time, it's just crazy. You know, it's just not, nothing. But a lot of. 30% of the time, it's good, it's good tips. So somebody said this, they sent me a letter that Erica McConnell, she's a director of the AMCO, yeah. <laughs> sent to the Anchorage Ski Club, this Arctic Valley. Right, I know. I and, and it was this whole thing about they're trying to take their license away because it didn't, you know, her, it fit her interpretation of the statute, which it's, it's just, it was, it was fucking crazy. No, it is crazy. And, and so it's I, crazy is what it is. It's anti-Alaskan. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's it's absurd so not okay. to think that these people couldn't have... So, so I, I made her, uh, I told you about my, my weekly loose unit. She was the loose unit that week for this whole, <laughs> and, and what happened was the, 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 the le- political left and the political right, they all galvanized, and everybody and their brother got behind a letter to say, this is absurd, from the assembly and the legislators, and I think Amy Domboski was on it, and, you know, and Christopher Constant. I mean, very, like, polarizing difference. Let's, 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 let's look at that, because what she said was, the 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 ski the ski air lift the ski area is a nonprofit right and they've had the license for a long time well, yeah it's, it's thirty years, years or something and and uh, and they uh, they operate under a recreational license okay and I think what I, I I don't remember how those are written but there's some it's you know it, it states you know for hockey or football or whatever it states yeah, in yeah. there but it doesn't list everything but lots of organizations have been running underneath. A recreational license for years, them and the fair, same thing. Right? Well, we'll get into we'll get into the fair in a second. But but uh, yeah, that got overturned though, right? That the board overturned mm, that, or how the did fair that? One, uh, the, well, yeah, well, no, let's talk about the, the, the ski scary one. Got uh, I, I it got resolved. Yeah, it got resolved. The board because skiing is skiing recreation. Of course it is. You well, know, and, not, and also I'm they, not they, making a living they, off they, it when I'm doing it. Exa- they, they, they have these uh, races and they have these events down there, you know, and the, this, and, and people want to go down there, they want to have a fucking beer or a drink. I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I made the joke when I, when I wrote about this McConnell woman. I said, I said she should really be, you know, in charge of the alcohol uh, program in Iran. <laughs> where, where, where there is one. Where there's, where there's no alcohol allowed. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, just we, we crazy. We live in a state where, I mean, you know, obviously alcohol is a, a problem in some cases, but people drink here, okay? People like to have a drink, and we all like to have a drink, and when we go skiing Dude, to an event... To the world's problems aren't, filled, aren't solved over a glass of Chardonnay. Ex- no, ex- exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe, a little, maybe a little champagne on certain <laughs> maybe occasions. Maybe afterwards, but you do it over a beer. So, so, so then there's this <laughs> other situation with this um, McConnell that came up kind of blindsided folks. I don't even know. I think somebody told... I wish I would have been told, but somebody told one of the media outlets about this meeting where they were going to review the state fair 
Right, um, and they didn't, even, oh, no. they didn't even tell the fair people about no, it. No, the fair. This, I don't know. The, I don't know that part of the whole I, I story. I don't even think the fair to... knew that this was going to be on the agenda. I don't think they did either. I don't know the whole story to it. But you know, we do a tremendous amount of business at the fair. You know, we've been my restaurants. We've done the Highland Scottish Games there yeah, every year, and yeah. the alcohol service for that. We have our beer in uh, all the uh, different beer venues. Uh, we have our giant beer trailer the and fucking the sluice box. I had a booth yeah. at the fair two years. That that is where the action is. Well, I mean, do you want to go see a concert without beer? No, 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 you don't. And and so yeah, I think I think what they did was they. I, I think the fair is actually uh, done. I think they've been told by the ABC board now that they can no longer serve alcohol, and uh, until this is resolved. And they say that the the license they have, which is a recreational license, shouldn't apply to the fair. This is crazy. The fair, the fair has license number thirty nine. There's, that's one of the that's the thirty ninth alcohol license you know ever issued you know in the state. I don't know what they're up to I mean, right probably now. Probably thousands. Thousands. Right? Yeah. So the license thirty nine or thirty seven. I don't. Maybe, I, I don't. You know what? I don't know which it's one. It's low. It's low. It's one of the first, and they've been doing it for thirty seven years on the same license, and now this lady at Amco is saying no, no, that license doesn't apply, and now they can't serve alcohol. Who, I mean, at the how, fair. how is she? I just don't <laughs> she's not. You, 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 you <laughs> want to have somebody there? I think in my version, in my opinion, you want to have somebody there. Who, who, who's an, a regulator? Who, who's who's enforcing? No, we we who, want who we want we want alcohol served responsibly. Exactly. We want it. We want it served under under very strict rules. We don't want. Uh, I mean, we, I, we 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 take massive steps to make sure we are doing it right, and we don't want it done wrong. Because we, we when it gets done wrong, we there's problems. We have problems in our community because of alcohol, and and it's a lot of those problems stem from maybe. Places that don't follow the rules as closely as they you, should. You, you want a regular, but at the same time, you, you, you don't want somebody who's going to who's going to go out of their way to to attack or to try to stifle businesses from doing something that you know. No, it's not. It's the, the Department of Commerce, not the Department of Shut Them Down. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's, so. It's not the Department of Anti-Commerce. <laughs> it's, it is, it's 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 um, just crazy. And, and then there's a whole. I don't know how much you know about the there's a whole distillery issue. That came up uh, last year. Well, last yeah, year, yeah. You know, and I get that. I know there's 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 some arguments between different types of licensees, uh, based on a you know the, the old school way of doing business has been the three tier system, which is since prohibition, all of America went to there was manufacturers and then distributors and then retailers. Okay, and that's how the three tier system of alcohol sales and and uh, is has been across the country, and then all of a sudden. Wow, we start having small distilleries that are distillery restaurants or brewery restaurants right. or little brewery, breweries, which just threw a monkey in the wrench to that whole three-tier system. Because when we think of a brewery, I mean, they require a brewery like our, our brewery, Manuska Brewing Company. We're, in an, we're, we're required to be an industrial zone land. When we, op- when, we, when we made an effort to buy the Manuska dairy out there in the middle of Palmer, we had to go to the city first and get them to bless it. As in, they changed it to industrial zone. Matt, Matt made, Matt made, yeah, <laughs> Matt made, yeah. It was That's a Matt made. It went from milk to beer. She's all grown up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, that be his logo. Milk no, to I beer, love that slogan. That's, Gosh, that's be your motto. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Yeah, she's happy too. She's been tired <laughs> of drinking milk. <laughs> anyway, the. Uh, the, the whole thing, so, because we think of a brewery, I mean, you th- they used to be big coal-fired furnaces with smokestacks and brewing beer, and it took, and it was, it was a, an industrial, uh, it, was an, it was an industry, right? Or it was an industrial, yeah. so, but we, we produce, we're, we're all, uh, everything we do is run off natural gas, 
our boiler is a high pressure steam boiler that uh, everything operates off high pressure steam and it's heated through burning of natural gas, clean, clean energy. And 100% of all our spent grain and leftover product is shipped out and fed to animals, uh, to cattle at a, at a ranch out in, in Wasilla. And then we, we buy that beef, ground beef from them and serve it in all our restaurants. You know, so that's a, that's a circle of life. Well, it is. It's, it's circle Kuma of Matata. Yeah, exactly. That's what that is. <laughs> so, but what I'm trying to say is, is breweries aren't a giant industry industrial uh, waste zone like they used to be. This isn't the industrial revolution here. Well, know? no, it's just we're, different. We're, we're, we're not, not burning pollu- coal. We're not polluting. We're we're, we're we're not uh, we're not just dumping uh, spent grain in a uh, in a dump or in a holding bin and and letting it and burying it. You know, those days are over. And so everything's used, you know, or it's clean energy. So the whole, the whole, I think, idea of being in an industrial area is old school anyway. Yeah. So, so all these things, what's happening? The world's changing, and the well, regulations. Well, 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 well just, just like when the, when I always tell the story, um, you know, when you talk about like economics, you know, when when the uh, car, when the combustion engine got invented, you know, before that there was a whole business um, around these these buggy whips, you know, to to for the horses that pulled the carriages, right? So these, these people sold these buggy whips, you know, and it was a big business. Well, eventually the cars started to take over the poor strong carriages. I have the, one in my the, car. I the, whip my car every time the, I hit it if it's the, not The buggy right. whips folks got pretty upset. <laughs> they did. And they said, you know, well, well so times change. Times it's the Uber taxi cab thing, and you, right? And you have to adapt. You have to adapt. It's Uber taxi cabs. You know, the taxi cabs, it's great to, I mean, I, don't, I wish no one any harm. I think if you're a taxi cab driver, I wish you all the best of luck. But they're crying out loud, the taxi cabs put the streetcars out of business 100 years ago. Right. That's right. True. And, I drove a cab here in Anchorage for two years when I was in college. Really? Yeah, I drove, and I, I could that that should be a whole. You should do a whole pop. story on that one right I got, there. I, got, I could tell you a hundred stories about driving a cab here in Anchorage. Yeah, it's got to be crazy. I, I can only imagine. But I think you know you see this whole Uber Lyft thing come out and the, the ride sharing thing, and you know what? Honestly, if uh, if I'm I I'll, I'll, I use that before I use a cab. I don't, I don't, I don't, if I get, if I go to Seattle now and I'm there for the weekend downtown, I Uber or I Lyft. I don't if, even if I'm a in car. The, if I'm in the city, uh, if I'm in Anchorage or whatever, I'll use the Uber. If I come back from the airport, I do get in the taxi cab because it's very convenient. There's a line of cabs well, right waiting there, yeah. and they're there and it's easier. But, um, you know, I drove a cab for a couple of years and the Uber and the Lyft, I mean, it, it's a competitive and you can rate the drive. You know what you're getting. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's more look at it before he picks you up. And, and I actually feel bad for the guys <laughs> who bought the licenses recently. You know the cab licenses recently, but a lot of these guys bought these things in the '80s for for nothing, and now they're worth. And, and they're well, trying to say we want the money forever. You have to. Well, you know, and, and I'm not. Yeah, we we could go back and forth and debate their situation, but it's a great example of you know, hey man, the world's changing. Uh, uh, if, uh, when we find out better ways of doing stuff, I mean, we should be doing them the better ways. With the, with the brewery, I'll, I'll give you with the with the brewery one or the distillery one. I'll give I'll give you um, an example that probably would would. It, it goes against my initial thought. My initial thought was, if these distilleries, I mean, the thing was they, they couldn't serve mixed drinks. They, they made a loss, a rule against, so you couldn't serve, you know, with vermouth or soda. You could make a, a gin and tonic. You, you had to give them to Just them give me a glass of gin, please. And, and, and they, they mixed them, <laughs> and it was this kind of weird thing. And Because I guess the rule is people could up to 8 p.m., have a couple drinks. Well, I think they were allowed two ounces. I don't remember exactly. So, so, it's like two two-ounce servings each or so, one-ounce servings or whatever it was. Initially, I said, this is, this, is, this is absurd. This is fucking so stupid. People can't do this. But then I was in Fairbanks, actually, in September. Uh, our, we were up there with my, my buddy Kale doing some, we were profiling some legislative races. And one of the um, interviews we did with uh, now Senator Scott Kawasaki was at Hoodoo Brewing. Went there, I think it was like a Thursday or Friday after work. It was like 6 o'clock. 
and and they're part of the deal where they have the they have the brewery there, and then they have outside kind of a area, big deck, right? right? And and um, I kind of changed my mind a little bit about the thing because. Matt, it was a fucking bar. There was well, like 200 people there. And that's drinking. okay, though. There's no limitation on how many people can right, go to a tasting I'm, room. I'm just saying, I, I can that kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still say that should be allowed. But that well, kind it of is, I don't my, think anybody's going to try to change that. that. But that kind of changed my opinion about the, uh, the, the, I mean, if I'm a bar owner, I might be like, well, yeah, here's, here's, you know, here's what I say about, <laughs> I don't care if you're a bar owner, a restaurant owner, a brewery owner. I mean, I'm all three. Okay. Yeah, no, I you're, do you're, all that stuff. You're, you're the trifecta. Well, right. I mean, there's join them all. It's my, you know. But but the whole idea here is you've got to be innovating. You've got to be, and I don't care if you're in the car business, the widget business, or the alcohol business. If you keep doing the same thing you were doing 30 years ago, less people are going to want to be around you, yeah, you or use you, your you, product you, 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 or, you, or come visit you your place. You shouldn't rely on force of government to, to, to retain your business model. Yeah, I have a problem with that. And, and, I mean, and I agree with that's you know, wrong. You know, I, I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm, I, I've owned, we, we own a brewery. There's some limitations right now. The rule, the regulations say that because I own restaurants, I can only own 10% of a brewery. So my, my, my ownership percentage of Madanuska Brewing Company is 10%. You want to give me, do you want to sell me some for a good no, deal? No, all I can have is 10%. I'll take, I'll take the other 90. I have very good friends that are invested in the brewery. And so... <laughs> And so we've, we've we've got a we've got a good group. So if anything ever comes up, you know, we'll, you let, you in, we'll let you in. I'll, the, I'm, uh, I'm, on, I'm on standby. But it, and, and then I own the restaurants, and so that's just how we we, we structured the place. But but uh, is that a state thing? About that's 10%? a state thing. Okay. Oh yeah, it's just and that's all about um, you know. But it's all about these the licenses. You know, you know, right now the licenses in Alaska are are, are uh, issued based on population. Right, there's only so many you can have mm-hmm. in a in a population center, and so in Anchorage. There's, there's, uh, the licenses are, have been ceased to be issued by the ABC board, and the only beverage dispensary licenses, like if you go to a bar and, get, and drink cocktails, that's a beverage dispensary license. The only, uh, or a restaurant with cocktails, that's a beverage dispensary license. The only way to get one of those now is because they've reached the population to cap. Buy one, right? You buy one what from those, somebody that's already got one. What are those worth? About a quarter million. I bought one here for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And assuming you could, that's assuming you can get one, right? Because you got to hunt for them. You they aren't, they aren't, they aren't always up for sale, right? They're not always up for sale. You know, in this economy right now, we've got some opportunities where there's some for sale. And so, I mean, I, I understand the, you know, if if you've come into this industry and you've paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a license. Uh, so that you can sell and stay open late and and and, and you, sell alcohol. You, you don't want a guy to get one for twenty grand and open across the street from you. Well, you, you know, know, if he bought it from some private individual, no, no, for twenty no, grand. If state, that's if the, the argument with the brewery thing right now. You know, the the issue is just some of the smaller brew pubs and like we 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 built our brewery and and restaurant operation around the existing rules. Okay. Our brewery is a large-scale brewery. We distribute 95% of the beer we make. We distribute to Candell distributors who sells it all over the state. And then, and and our restaurants have beverage dispensary licenses and package store licenses, which allow us to function with cocktail service. We can have live music. We can have entertainment. We serve food. I right, see so you got a great stage. Have, got a great stage here. Oh yeah, I love that stage. Great live music all the time. We do live music every Friday and Saturday. And uh, and so and so we we've, we've built our business around existing rules and have made it work. Now there's other people that have opened up small breweries that now the the, the taste room limitations are are you can only be open till eight o'clock. This is what we deal with at our brewery location in Palmer. Taste rooms done at eight, and you can serve three or a total of thirty six ounces 
uh, at your tasting room, right? And and so some of these smaller breweries uh, are, are pushing or want to be able to serve more than 36 ounces, stay open as late as they want, and uh, have entertainment and function to the same standard as a beverage dispensary license. And so, hey, I'm not even, I'm, I, you know what, I'm not even taking a position on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, well, there's I, guys I can, that have to buy a license I, to do that. I can see why people would be, who bought a license would say, hey, wait a minute, like. Hold on a second, you know, yeah. That, that's not fair, because you're right, because that, that was the one. Because they're operating under uh, a manufacturer's license. The, 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 the biggest <laughs> argument I heard for the distilleries, which produce spirits, um, is for the, for the bar from the bar side was was wait a minute wait a minute they're spending whatever it costs for that license it was much 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 less that's like five hundred bucks or a we thousand spent or something. quarter million so I can kind of they shouldn't be the same thing but at the same time they should be if somebody wants to go there have a couple of drinks a sip a taste and leave at, at well, by there's, there's got to be a fair way to kind of figure it all out I get it I, and there should be because bottom line I think it's cool to go drink cocktails in a place in Alaska. Where they make it, and they it. don't import it, yeah. it from somewhere else, and it's just like beer. It is cool that now all of a sudden, like you said, is there a big competition? Sure, well, we all know each other, and we're all we're, we're all comrades and together in the mm-hmm. beer business, you know. And uh, but sure, there's some competition, and it's fun competition. You want to make better better beer than the next guy? We're all we're all about right. that. No, we're that's Americans. the best thing that drives <laughs> the best the best outcome is comp- competition. It's, it keeps the price down. But what's great about it now is you can go out and. T- to dinner in Alaska, and you don't have to drink beer that's six months old shipped up from America. That's part of the. Ex- can, it's part of the experience. It's badass, dude. Just Alaska's getting better and better. Beer makes. I think beer is a perfect example of the beer industry right now is a perfect example of American ingenuity, and and that is in drive and in I mean, I mean, Imagine if the government, the state, or whatever, gave one company a monopoly on beer. I mean, the beer would be it'd be fucking horrible. Well, it would be horrible. Suck. It would just, Absolutely. There'd be, no, there'd be no incentive to make, right. make good product. And, and look look what we've done. I mean, the Germans make really good beer. You know, the Brits, they've always made pretty dang good beer. But you know who makes better beer? We do. We have better beer in America than anywhere else on the we, planet. We, we, we should open We should open a... Uh, you go to Belgium, all you can get is a Pilsner. If you really right? like a Belgian Pilsner, that's fantastic. That's, that's your place. But in America, you can get a Belgian-style Pilsner that's made in your neighborhood. I think, me, I think that's you cool. and I should open some kind of Alaskan... Uh, beer <laughs> restaurant in, in some weird place in the world, and I think we'd probably do pretty well. Sure, Vegas, I'm in. I was I was in, I was in Australia. <laughs> I told you I was in Australia for a year, and the, the Aussies love beer. I mean, they have a lot of different beers over there. They're kind of like us. And it's not. They're kind of like the outcasts from Great Britain, they, right? They are. And aren't we kind of the outcasts from America? <laughs> There's a lot of camaraderie there. When you say you're from Alaska, most Aussies, a lot of people I met when I was over there, I was there for like almost a year. And it's like, oh, I might. I was there for uh, on a cruise. They've all been here. They all, they all love it here, a lot of them. But, no, but I, I, learned, I learned to talk Australian. So if you want to learn to talk There's Australian. There's a sentence you, you know, right? It's a sentence, yeah. Right. It's, uh, so if you, if you want to say razor blades in Australian, you have to say rise up lights. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Yeah, yeah there, there, <laughs> that's there razor is, blades. There, yeah. I've heard that before. That's, that's very perfect. good. Um, well, no, Matt, uh, Matt, this has been great doing this. Uh, you're you're a... Uh, you're, you're a great guy for a podcast. You, you know how to kind of bring the energy. Well, we're drinking beer and talking. I, I do both those things pretty good. I, I thought about doing have you, have you ever seen uh, Drunk History? I haven't. So, so it's like this TV show where they get like famous people, they get drunk, and then they, tell his, they talk about history. It's, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty funny. So I thought, about doing, great. I thought about doing a Drunk Alaska History where you get like, like politicians or legis- legislators or public officials, you get them drunk, and you start talking about Alaska history. Let's do that here. 
I'm in. I'm on board. I'll supply the beer if you want to do the show. We should do it. I, I could so actually. You know what? To be honest, I've been thinking about finding a venue to do because uh, you know Dan Harmon, Harmon Town. Yeah, yeah. So he does a podcast and he records it in Seattle in front of a lot like a, a lot of people. A live so crowd. We could do it right from the just, stage. We're doing there. it right here, like we're doing now on the stage. We have a big group of folks in here. We you know we get the beer. We sponsor it. We should do that. I, Let's I, do it. I, I could do. I could. That would be great. Yeah, I think that's great. We should do it. We get dr- dr- Drunk Alaska History brought to you by Matt News Matt News Brewing Company. Matt News Brewing We do it better than anybody else. <laughs> what, what was it? They went from milk to... Milk to beer. No, she's all, now she's all grown up. From milk to beer, she's all grown up. Yeah, what, what, did I say Matt News Yeah, Matt News Brewing. I'm stuck on the Matt News thing. For, yeah, you go to Matt News Brewing Company. Uh, from milk to beer, she's all grown up. That could be the, <laughs> that could be the title of the, uh, the podcast. I like that. Um, well, this has been this has been great. We got to do one of these again. I mean, this let's is, do it. I, I'm telling you, I, I I can see the how the pe- hey. Here's can I, let's say this. Hey, you know what? Everybody should flood. My little problem, I'll get it settled. Is there going to be a meeting coming up? The ABC it's, board meeting. It's February second, I believe, in we, Juneau. But everybody needs to flood the ABC board. Do you like going to the fair? Do you want to have a beer at the fair? You know what? They need the money from the alcohol sales to get, make the fair what it is. Yep. And and to see an agency in this state taking something that's such an iconic part of our lives uh, as Alaskans and trying to uh, honestly trying to just destroy it is what she's doing. She Erica needs to be Erica stopped. McConnell, folks. Erica McConnell. Erica McConnell. Let's, let's uh, let her hear your voice. You know, whether you're for alcohol or not. Alcohol is just part of the fair. It's not the whole thing, but it sure is a big revenue generator for them. They're a nonprofit, and they should have the right I, to I be able to sell it. I just can't imagine going to the fair, going to a concert, going with friends, and not having a beer, or not having a drink at the slush box, not having a beer. I just can't even. It just seems well, it shouldn't be up to one lady. I'll tell be. you that. It shouldn't be. I, I totally agree. So I'm gonna, <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an article about your situation. Uh, with the so what, what, let's finish up on that. What's the deal? So you have to you got the license, but oh, now you so, have to. Because you only got it for one year because it was issued on the first, right? Oh no, it's issued on the twenty sixth. No, so that already so, kills my. So, so basically, it kills my two thousand eighteen. When you pay for your license, you get it for two years. My eighteen is used up in four days. Hey, I get it. That's all right. I, I'm not gonna. That's that's my choice. That's how it is. And so I get I get I pay my fifteen hundred dollar fee for the license, and basically get one year's use out of it. And you have to do an exemption at the end of next year, this year. Well, I'm, I have made an application. Or no, I've, I'm, I'm petitioning the, the, the AMCO or, or the, the ABC board to, to uh, deny the waiver request by the administration because I shouldn't have to fill out a waiver, I sh- which costs $700. And I shouldn't have to fill out or pay a $1,000 fee because it's past November 30th. Because it was, it, was, it was issued past that point. It was issued December yeah, 26th. It's just ridiculous. So, so uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Erica. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt. Merry Christmas from Erica. Send me money. $1,700. We're, we're going to do, do a little we'll, bit of I'll, a shit. I'll fix that problem. We'll, we'll get through we're that. Gonna, we're going to do something we call a shakedown. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy stuff. I mean, you know, Alaska's getting more and more bureaucratic all the time. we got to remember, hey, man, let's stay free. That's who we are. That's it, man. That's yep. it. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, Matt, I want to thank you for doing this here. Thank you for the beer. Cheers. And uh, we'll do another one of these again. And I'm looking. Maybe we could talk about doing something here for the, the podcast. I I'm in. Be, that, uh, no, I'm all great. for it. Let's do it. All right, folks. This is the uh, latest episode of Landmine Radio. If you want to do a podcast, interested in the podcast, let me know. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you folks next time. Landmine.